Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. We're your hosts, Omar Ramos. And Veronica Cruz with the special parenting series, The Struggle is Real. Yes, it is. And uh, guess what? Today's discussion, appeal to their progress, including expectations, affirmation, self-esteem, and highlighting progress. We will be sharing valuable information directed for millennial parents and all this to motivate our children from toddlers to young adults. Now, like every show, we have a panel of special guests invited who will be sharing their expertise and personal experiences about specific interactions between parents and their children. We have Dr. Alicia Laos, clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, as well as Ashley Reed, daughter, student, and single millennial. Welcome. Thank you. Now get your popcorn ready because we're going to be showcasing some scenarios we'll present from Parenting Styles by Eris. Let's start by traveling back to the... Depression era. Where did you get that? <laughs> Tina, answer me. Where did you get that toy? I found it. Don't lie to me. It was at the store in a cereal box. Christina Jean, did you steal? No. What did I say about lying? You took that without paying, didn't you? Yes. That's stealing. Give it here. No! Don't you start crying. Your father will give you something to cry about. Walter! No, don't! Someone's going to have to straighten you out. I can't believe it. We don't steal, Christina. We don't. Stealing's for people with no class. Walter! What is it? Are you going to tell your father or should I? Tell me what? Our daughter stole. Look, she took this out of the cereal box while I was shopping. So selfish. What did you do with the box? I put it back. Now we're going to have to pay for that, you know. You didn't get away with anything. Why don't you let us alone, Mother? I'm so disappointed in you, Christina. Stealing is wrong. Do you know that? Yes, sir. It's a sin. You know what happens to sinners? Yes, sir. You will never, ever do this again for any reason. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Taking things that don't belong to you, that's not for us. If you want something, you have to earn it. You have to work for it. That's the only way you can ever enjoy it. People that steal, they don't know the value of anything. They end up in jail or worse. No one in this family steals. My daughter will not steal. Yes, sir. I'm going to take you back and watch you return that toy to the store manager. We're going to pay for that cereal box you opened. How do you think you're going to pay for it? I don't have any money. People who steal normally don't. Every morning before school and every night after, you're going to help your mother with her housework. We'll let you know when it's paid off. You understand me? Yes, sir. Grab your coat. Let's get going. If I were you, I'd hope the store manager is forgiving. Your mother likes to shop there, but he doesn't have to let shoplifters back into his store. Wow. Well, that was 1955, and what we just heard, there was a mother who discovered that her daughter had stolen a toy from a grocery store. She pulled it out of the cereal box. So then she calls the father so he can deal uh, with the situation. He then punishes the little girl, gives her this whole speech about why this was so wrong and what was going to happen to her. And at the end, he takes her back to the store so they can return it and they're going to deal with it with the store manager. Dr. Laos, is this parenting style visible still these days? Sure. That scenario can play out in different households. A lot of people will say that that's the way you should do it. Teach the daughter, in this case a lesson, and make her pay things back. 
and I don't know that we would all say that there's, there's anything wrong with that, having the daughter being able to, you know, reconcile with what she did so that she learns that stealing is not appropriate. So we mm-hmm. will see that. It is something that is a little bit different than the millennial parent that we see, because in it we see values, you know, that are really, really strong in terms of honesty, and you see it pushed through. You know, and this brings me back to a situation that happened with me a long time ago, not 1955 or anything like that. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I got caught. Um, I grew up playing baseball uh, back in California, and I was um, six years old. And, you know, mom and dad would not pay for any baseball cards. So guess what I did? Because baseball cards back then came with like little, little chalk gum. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I took some of those, got caught, and the same situation. They laid down the law on me, and I had to go back and apologize and hand the open wrappers and everything back to the store owner. You know, it's just, first of all, getting caught, disappointing mom, and then having daddy tell you that most likely, you know, you've sinned. Tonight, the devil's going to be knocking on the door to pick you up and stuff like that. So it's, I don't know, I think they could have gone a whole lot different about it. But it's those things that some kids, they become a victim to the fact that their parents don't know how to go about it the right way, right? To find the correct discipline, I would say. Yeah, and I, and I again, will caution us to just look at that parenting style and say it's evil and it's mm-hmm. terrible because, I, I mean, it, stealing is stealing and we can all relate. How do you deal with it? That's kind of a mm-hmm. difficult one for a parent. I just think that it draws a picture of how different it would be for a current parent. Like when you think of the parents in your midst or even how do you parent, would you do it differently? <laughs> I think a lot of parents today might say, I might do it differently. Mm -hmm. And that skit shows the different styles of parenting that happen generationally. You were parented as this style Mm -hmm. and you picked up on it right away and it drew a picture of when this happened to you. We need to delineate those differences and understand that our parenting styles of today, Mm -hmm. they have a cultural context and we need to understand that. So what we think is the right way today, our parents might think we're being very lenient and loosey-goosey. I can definitely relate with that. You want to share with us when you were talking about the potty training and what your mom's advice was? Oh, yeah, sure. I was potty training our daughter and I just remember, you know, okay, I'm going to potty train my kids and I'm a psychologist and I've got all these behavioral tools, you know, and it's taking forever. And here I've talked to my mom and she's like, oh, you know, I would potty train all of you in like one week. And it was no big deal. Partly you could say, well, we're six daughters. who have kind of had it nailed back plus all the kids in her life. But it did seem that it wasn't just her. Everybody from her generation that I've spoken to potty training wasn't this like daunting like project. Just something that they knew how to do and they took care of it. You know, you're going to be potty trained or else and there's no behavioral tokens for doing it. You're just going to do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And that just is a different tone than the tone of today where we've got all these tricks and tools. I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. It's just a different style and we need to recognize it. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick on Ashley Reed now. Ashley, welcome once again. Talk about what you feel and how you processed this uh, parenting style that we just heard. It was very interesting. It reminded me of a lot of stories that I've heard from my dad Mm. with his parents' parenting style. He grew up in Jersey and so his parents were both very strict on him. Like Some of the stories he would tell me I was just like too intense. (laughs) But I guess, Doctor, we could still pick on some of those things and apply them to a parenting today. I mean, they weren't all bad. No, I mean, there's the value of truth and honesty, keeping those children accountable. I mean, I don't think that that's a necessarily bad thing. It's just the tone was very, it seemed pretty direct. 
and it got the point. You did something wrong. In fact, some of the parents of that generation and many parents listening to this podcast would mm-hmm. say, well, that's what we need today. If us parents would be more firm and hold our children accountable to these laws, we wouldn't have so much of a chaotic world today because children are not learning how to submit to authority. And it's because we're too goosey-loosey that we should definitely keep our children accountable. But what we pick up from that style of generation is that there's specific values, mm-hmm. that character is very important, loyalty, right and wrong obedience and submissiveness and that that character and that trait is really important and that comes across in the parenting style very distinct messaging in today's parenting now again i'll say individually us as parents will all pick up different styles Mm -hmm. we're just talking about as a generation you pick up on that value being what is passed down to kids you can't lie you can't steal so character development in the parenting style was what you as a parent were trying to get your children to have strong character versus today i'm not sure that across the board that that's what we prioritize in our parenting. It seems like what we prioritize is that our kids achieve or get their dreams, be able to follow their dreams. It has changed. And before we get to that, we will be talking about that. Let's fast forward to the 80s or to the 70s where the baby boomers had a different parenting style. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit different from the depression area. Let's listen in. Crystal, sweetheart, where did you get that toy? I found it. Found it where? It was at the store, in a cereal box. Did you steal it? No. Did you pay for it? No. Well, then, honey, you stole it. Oh. Let me see it. And go get your father. Do I have to? Either you do or I will. Okay. What's going on, Bex? Do you want to tell your father or should I? You do it. Crystal stole this toy plane. She took it out of the cereal box while we were shopping. What? Crystal, stealing is wrong. You know that, don't you? Yeah. Then why'd you do it? I don't know. I think you do. I wanted to play with it. Then next time, ask your mother to buy it for you, all right? All right. Come here. Give me a hug. (laughs) Your mother and I aren't mad, okay? We just expect more from you. You're better than this, Crystal. Honey, your father and I only want what's best for you. We want to keep you out of trouble. Now, stealing is a crime, and people that do it go to jail. Promise us you won't steal again. I won't. Okay. Now, we can't give you back the toy, obviously. But have you learned your lesson? Don't steal. Ever. That's right. See? You're so smart. Now, grab your coat. Let's you and me go pick up some dinner. Give your mother a break. Sushi? Sure. Okay, and we're back. Um, Same scenario, a couple of generations later. A famed baby boomers came up with this uh, self-esteem movement in the 1970s. It actually started in 1969. I remember reading about this. Their values, personal growth, self-expression, et cetera, et cetera, to fight low self-esteem. All children were taught that they were special. Now, doctor, how much affirmation is too much? 
We just saw it. It seemed so much affirmation missed that story completely. I didn't feel mm-hmm. the way of it at all. It was just like, you're wonderful and you're smart. And it ended in a positive tone. And mm-hmm. I almost forgot. So you wonder, did she really learn the lesson that stealing is not appropriate? Mm-hmm. The goal here was clear that we don't want to damage the self. So we want to protect the self, even though you did something wrong. We're just mm-hmm. going to gloss over it. Mm-hmm. So if too lenient for me. As a result of that is the sense of all this positive praise. Some kids need some effort. We All of us mm-hmm. need affirmation, of actually. Mm-hmm. There's a deficit of affirmation. But what we tend to see is we leaned too much to the other side, mm-hmm. where we're so engrossed in ensuring that we have this positive affirmation all the time to people and to our kids that then we don't value the work that they have to do in order to get to it. Yeah. Um, from my personal experience, like I came from a family where it was like a mix, I guess you could say, depression style and baby boomer style. They'd be positive about stuff. But you know, like if I made a fool out of myself or did something dumb, I was going to get punished. There was timeout, there was spankings, like I knew consequences. And it wasn't until I hung out at other friends' homes and Mm -hmm. started dating that I saw this kind of mentality where I would have friends literally screaming at their parents. And I'm like, if I talk to my mama at that tone of voice, I would be six feet under. How do we create a balance, doctor? Let's affirm the progress instead of just giving all these trophies Mm -hmm. just for being present. I mean, we know, I know that's the cliche and it's out there all over. It's actually shown that the self-esteem movement, unfortunately, the research overwhelmingly saying it's caused some negative repercussions because what we're doing is we're so focused on trying to affirm people so much Mm -hmm. that we're not giving people the value of investing in hard work. And so what we say is do be affirmative. Don't be negative. Don't withhold that you're proud and that you love your children, but recognize the progress. Be a cheerleader for the progress and for the traits you want to see. I really like that you persevered to get that job done because that was pretty hard. So we're being affirming, but we're affirming the progress, not the end result. And why do we want to do that? Because we don't want to attach value that your value or your sense of worth is based on what you do. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that people grow up and later on they feel pretty depressed when they don't get affirmation for just being. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of people my age raised by baby boomer parents. And for them, like they've just gone out into the workforce and they are freaking out on social media because they are 23 and are not yet manager. They'll do a project and they don't get a gold star, no A+. plus. They do what they're supposed to do. And then they are freaked out when they are not applauded for it. Mm. I'm doing the basic requirements listed on my title where are my gold stars what's going on and like spiraling out of control and it's like you need to do a little bit more than that and it's going to take some time but when you have all this affirmation everything's perfect you're so great at whatever it is that you do etc because we're trying to affirm our kids then when they go into the real world they find themselves disappointed yeah because the the real world does not provide a's and you know stars society has become so obsessed with excessive self-esteem can you elaborate on this? Yeah, we are just really concerned. I think it's a reaction to the previous parenting style that had a deficit of saying, I love you and you're wonderful and you're great. People just did not hear that. To now being the other extreme, we're just constantly being so protective that we're damaging the self or hurting the self. And so you do see that extreme in a lot of people. I'm not saying this is the case for everybody. And as a consequence, it's actually negative. It's not really helpful. One, we associate 
a sense of value with performance. That who you are is equal to what you do. The repercussions you mentioned earlier that were negative. Can you tell us a little more about that? You feel like you owed something at mm-hmm. work just by showing up. People had to work 30 years for them to actually be able to get what they're enjoying now that you're seeing. And so people feel like automatically they should just show up and then be able to receive things. So I think that's one thing. But the other thing is a sense of depression because they feel that they're not able to achieve their dreams. Exactly. Because reality is that you have to put in a lot more work than just showing up. That's not enough. And so I think you see some of that as well. Probably Zuckerberg messed it up for a lot of people. He was like, what, 19-year-old techie, and now he's a billionaire. It's like, okay, those are only fairly recent examples that happen to like 1% of the world's population. Exactly. Exactly. Look at other successful people. Like, you know, the founder of KFC, Colonel Sanders. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't make his money or start his business until like he was like 70 or 80. You look at a lot of actors. They didn't get their start until after years of work, and they were in their 30s or 40s when like the dough started rolling in. So unless, you know, your parents are friends with millionaire (laughs) angel investors or you're a genius or you have connections, you are not going to be a Zuckerberg. I don't care what your horoscope tells you or your mom. (laughs) There's only so much you can do. Like you're going to have to do it the long and hard way. So put on your hiking boots, like pack some snacks and you'll be fine. That's right. I think it's all about, you know, finding what the next cool app is all about. So yeah, that's how you could become another millionaire. Um, Doctor, the million dollar question, where do we create that healthy balance? Consequences. We can learn from depression era parents that it's important to be firm and to provide consequences. That's a value. And character, the really valuing character, that's important. We don't want to lose that. On the other hand, we do want to say to our kids, I love you. We want to affirm them. But let's make sure we don't affirm them for just being. Mm -hmm. Therefore, because you are here, we're going to pour out all our attention to you. Instead, long-term vision. What do you want like to see this kid when he's 18, 20, 30? Would you like him to be a productive member of society? Would you like him to be successful as a husband or as a wife? Or would you like him to just fold over? Well, that requires certain character strengths. You know, mm-hmm. that requires that we don't get what we want when we want it. You need to delay gratification. And then when we see those values, we recognize them so that they can continue. That means you need perseverance. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to work hard and keep at projects. Yeah, you started that puzzle that was a thousand pieces. It's a lot of work. Looks like you have to finish it. But many parents will forego. Ah, oh, it's Don't okay. It. It's too hard. And so what are we telling our kids in the future? You can't do hard tasks. You're too fragile. So there's little things that we can do today to encourage them to finish the hard work. Oh, the room is too hard to clean. I can't do it. You can do it. You know, and when they do do these things, then we can say, you know, that was a really hard task. And I think that what was great was that you kept at it. And so what we're affirming is the process instead of affirming who they are for the task that they completed. Yeah. Another thing I would add to that is parents, don't be afraid that your kid will be a failure because you don't step in all the time. As a student, I got D's from elementary school all the way to my first year of high school because I couldn't focus. And I had friends whose parents would do projects for them. They were getting A's, but their parents were doing most of the work. My Mm. mom didn't do that. I had to do it on my own. My projects looked terrible. My papers were terrible. But then something clicked in high school and I got it. And I went from getting several D's on a report card like all of my life until high school. I had straight A's and I got a 
almost a full scholarship to college. So, you know, it's okay. Don't help them. They'll figure it out. You might have to wait until like they're 17, maybe more, but they can do it. I promise you. (laughs) That's a great point, Ashley. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Because hard work. (laughs) Yes, but it pays off. Just thinking about the repercussions and just helping your kids and and praising them and, and doing things for them can in the long run hurt them more. I've seen kids that are over 30 still home and jumping from job to job. Parents are paying their bills, paying their cell phone, paying for their internet. Here's the thing, parents. If you want to get your kids out of your house, just stop paying the internet bill. Cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we can go ahead and uh, bust a Michael J. Fox right now and go back to the future. We're going to fast forward here. Let's get to a parenting style that may be more in tune with millennials. All right, let's go ahead and listen to this. Yeah, I know, right? It doesn't even make any sense. I mean, what is she going to do with six pounds of butter? Jessica, can I come in? Five minutes. No, it's just my mom. We got this in the mail today. Do you want to open it? I said, give me a minute, please. Come on, it's after 10. And I'm sure Stephen will see you at school tomorrow. How's your mother, Stephen? Ugh, fine. I gotta go, babe. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Good night. What do you want? I want to open this with you. It looks like your report card. Okay. How do you think you did? You tell me. Well, let's see. Oh my, would you look at that? A, 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 A. B plus an AP calculus? Still better than I would do. A, A, and a pass in athletics. Jim is always pass or fail. Even so, you didn't sit it out. You know, I'm very proud of you, Jessica. Thanks. Is there anything else? Nope. I'll see you in the morning. Oh, here. Don't forget the daily dose. You know, this is pretty full for the end of the month. When did we refill this? Jessica, did you stop taking these? Just them were kept to purine. What? When? Like a week and a half ago. I'm fine. You can't go off these. I feel so much better now than when I was on them. These prescriptions are what made you feel better. They're what's keeping you in remission. Do you want to go back into chemo? You know it's been almost two years. Besides, people, I'm not going to relapse. You want to bet? I'm calling your doctor. No, come on. I'm so tired of taking that crap. It's not up to you. It's my body. Don't even go there. You know you're not the only one this affects. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Dr. T. This is Kathy Lombard calling about Jessica. We're having a slight problem with our 6-MP and methotrexate dosages. I wonder if you wouldn't give me a call back when you get this, as soon as you get this. House or cell is fine. Thank you so much, and talk to you soon. No, I can't believe you would do this. Easy for you to say. You don't have to deal with the side effects. Your gums don't bleed every day. It's better than the alternative. The sores in my mouth were so bad, I couldn't eat solid food. I couldn't even kiss Steve. It hurt, and I just felt gross. But the day after I went off those meds, it started healing. I mean, I can drink orange juice and my mouth doesn't feel like it's on fire. So don't stand there and judge me. You don't know half of what I'm going through. You're right. I don't know. And that makes every day really scary for me. But Jessica, you've been doing so well. Not just with the leukemia, but, I mean, well, look at those grades. Even after all that hospital time, you didn't take a break. You jumped right into junior year. You had every excuse to take it easy, but you didn't. You're coming back from this, Jessica. You're beating cancer. And now when you're almost in the clear, you're flaking out? You run the risk of undoing everything you worked so hard for. Am I wrong? 
No, you're not wrong, but... But what? This sounds so cheesy. I just want to be normal. I'm tired of being a survivor. I'm tired of teachers asking if everything's okay. I just want to stay up too late and eat whatever I want and make out with my boyfriend because I'm a teenager and I'm supposed to. No, honey. You'll never be normal. Shut up. I'm serious. I'm serious, too. You know, you've done things most adults couldn't do. Don't do that. Don't tell me how much I am and how I'm so strong and how I'm an inspiration. But it's true. Just let me be a kid. Fine. You're a kid. An awesome, talented, smart, strong, beautiful kid who should be so proud of herself. Aren't you? Aren't you proud of yourself? Yeah. I'll take it. Now, if you're the kid and I'm the mother, I get to tell you what to do. You're going to get back on your medication tonight. Fine. We'll ask Dr. T if there's something he else he can put you on for the canker sores and the gums. Now take your pill. You gonna watch me? If I have to. There. Done. All right, good night, Jessica. Good night. Okay, so we have uh, Mama here discovered her 16-year-old daughter on the phone with the boyfriend, but she interrupts to ensure that her daughter is taking her medication. Soon after a heartfelt conversation about Jessica's condition, her personal struggles and desires. At the end, mom gets the job done. She convinces Jessica to take the medication. Now, doctor, how was the mother able to convince Jessica? That was very difficult, but I mean, at least you can appreciate that they both struggled through it. It wasn't just an imposition of will. I mean, the mom was really firm about it, but you could see that they both went back and forth and really hustled. And the conversation Mm -hmm. felt more like a hustle than just one parent saying, you're going to do this or else. Difficult conversation, but I'm glad the skit was done because I highlights just have difficult conversations we have to have with our kids. In Mm -hmm. this case, it's a medical condition, but it could be, you know, whatever. It features how we can do the tug back and forth that Mm -hmm. we really need to share our concerns, but as a parent, still be firm. It also presented two different struggles, I think. Based on what we heard, she would probably miss out school and she did all this, but yet she managed. She worked really hard to get all these straight A's that she got. So she was really proud of that. And then she also had to deal with this other battle with her condition. Sometimes I guess it's really hard for parents if, if you're in a, in a situation like this where you can't put yourself in their shoes because you haven't been through that but you're trying to support them, but then you also have to kind of respect their need to be a kid in a caring way. She recognized Mm -hmm. the growth, Mm -hmm. the hard work that her daughter had put in, Um, not just placating to her, but actually did recognize the work that she had done. She didn't give in, she didn't give in. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. just because you're recognizing it doesn't mean that you're gonna fold over. Exactly. This can also apply in the workplace. How so, doctor? That we can recognize people for their progress. We wanna celebrate that. What we just don't want to be is handing out trophies for Mm -hmm. every little thing or just for showing up. But I think it's very affirming. We all love it when our supervisor recognizes our work. It's motivating. It establishes a sense of let's go forward and put it forward. And so I think just we need to recognize the effort that we put in and we need to just mutually encourage each other at work when we have a project and we make progress in that project. We've talked in the previous podcast how it's important to appeal to people's autonomy. It's important to appeal to people's feelings and now how it's important to to appeal to the progress. You feel like there's movement and that's a huge motivator. We can do that with our children. We can do that at work. We can do that in many relationships. Mm-hmm. It motivates you to take the next step. Yeah, I think that also causes um, and creates rather like common ground. You know, they don't feel like 
you know, you're fighting with them. Now you're like on the same team again. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it makes it a lot more comfortable for the child to kind of listen to what you have to say. Now I'm going to circle back to Ashley Reed. Does this kind of ring up? It made me very quiet because I had a friend who went through that same situation when she was 16. Mm. She had a cancer. Wow. So I could see in this story that we listened to Jessica's and I could kind of see someone, even though you're like, well, that's really stupid. Why would you get off of your meds? Like when you look at it from their perspective of I just want to be normal and not have to deal with side effects or medications or just like, you know, just be a person. Mm-hmm. Other parents could relate to it, too. Like your kid may not have cancer, but do you know the amount of kids and teens diagnosed with depression, anxiety yeah. and other disorders? Thank you for sharing that story, Ashley. Doctor motivating children through the struggle places the value and grit and hard work leading, of course, to character development. Can you tell us more? Yeah, and we talked about this earlier. I think it's important to recognize what it is that you want that child to achieve. One day, my six-year-old at that time convinced my husband to get him a 16-year-old Lego set for 16-year-olds, and he was six. I don't know how that happened, but we ended up with this humongous 20,000 directions. We talked about it with my husband, and we agreed that he needed to be at least like seven, you know, and someone would have to sit there and do this thing with him because it was too little. So here is my six-year-old dying to open that box, and we put it in the basement, and literally he had to wait 10 months to open it for Christmas until wow. he turned seven. That was like, you would think, oh, how terrible of a parent. But let me tell you, he would go downstairs and look at that box and come back. And he just had this anticipation. When that child opened that Christmas gift, talk about valuing it. He learned delayed gratification. Mm. To this day, we can talk to him and say, that's great. You're going to get it two months from now. That lesson really taught him, you got to wait. Mm-hmm. Studies show over and over again that when you pause and you don't get, you know, when kids don't get things right away, when you learn delayed gratification, that's beneficial for your relationships, for jobs, you know, what have you. And we recognized that. So that developed in him as that character mm-hmm. of being able to wait for things because we know that that's an important character value that he's going to need in life. You don't always have all this money and you can't always get what you want when you want it. You got to learn how to wait, a basic skill of life. Teach your kids that. And when they do show it, then you shower them with praise because they did it. Mm Because that's what you want to see more of. That develops character. And that's what we mean with that. I know it's hard as a parent. You'd see these beautiful, cute, adorable children. You do want to say, that's a beautiful picture. I'm so proud. You know, wow. And we do. We want. We need to motivate our children. That's Mm -hmm. important. Motivate, motivate, motivate. And there's homes where there's a lack of that. And our kids don't have that confidence. Recognize them, but recognize them for the effort. Yes. Don't just do it because they have a presence in your life. But recognize in your life, with your spouse, with your friends, with your family members, and motivate them for the progress they make. We all need that. Let's just not put the emphasis on the end result, but in the process. What a great lesson. Thank you for sharing everything today with us. Yes. Uh, thank you once again um, for that input, that 411, your expertise and personal experiences on The Struggle is Real. This special parenting podcast is here to uh, help motivate our families and our children. Don't miss our next podcast. It's going to be titled The Power of Storytelling. One of my favorites because I know Dr. Alicia Lagos will have a lot of stories because she she's great at that. And I know that's going to help us motivate our children. This was The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. Don't forget to follow us on social media as Family Bridges. You can also use the hashtag The Struggle is Real. I'm Veronica Cruz. And I am Omar Ramos. Till Til next, next time. time.
This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com. 